Hey, welcome to another episode of Custom Made Kid. I am your host, Amy Williams. For those of you who are new here, this podcast is a place where real conversations about infertility, foster care, and adoption happen, primarily, although we do talk about other things. And what I mean when I say real is simply that this is not a podcast for perfect people. Instead, the goal is to have honest and open conversations, sometimes messy conversations about the things God has done and is doing in their lives and in their family stories. The guest that I'm talking to today is Kendra Golden, who is a content development leader for Life Church, which, if you're not familiar, is one of the fastest growing multi campus churches in America. Her story is fascinating because it's not necessarily one individual family story. It was how one individual family essentially started a ripple effect in their church. And then the church has continued to do dramatic and amazing things within their community in the area of foster care. Take a listen. Hey, Kendra, welcome to the podcast. Hi, it's so great to talk to you, Amy. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate you taking the time to tell us a little bit about your story. Um, Kendra and I actually connected through a coworker. I was doing a podcast at work about cybersecurity, and we got to talking about just podcasts in general, and I mentioned what I was doing with the Custom Made Kid podcast, and she said, I have somebody you have to connect with, and that was Kendra. We actually talked a little bit beforehand um, about her story a bit, and I think it's one that you'll really appreciate listening to. So, Kendra, if you could take a minute and let's give our listeners some background on who you are. All right. Well, um, I live in Oklahoma, and I was a teacher for 11 years, but then God called me to come on staff at the church that I was attending, uh, which is Life Church. Um, Our pastor, Craig Rochelle, Um, does a lot of speaking at different things and has some books. So, you know, sometimes people have heard of him. 16 years ago, I came on our staff and that's just been a big adventure for not only me, but my husband, Brandon, and my three kids who are now 22 and moved out, 18 and about to go off to college and a ninth grade daughter. So that I still have at home. So so it's pretty busy. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and it's such a small world because I've actually heard Craig speak at Church of the Highlands, which is the church that I attend and always love when he comes to visit. So there's that connection. Mm -hmm. And then when I was kind of stalking you on social media to get more information about your story, I noticed that you were connected with Beth Cunningham, who is um, head of the children's ministry at Church of the Highlands. So I thought, yeah, I came out to visit Highlands a month ago. Oh, how funny. Yeah. So we probably crossed paths and didn't even know it in real life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) One of the things that we wanted to talk about today is sort of what I would call ripple effect, where foster care became a part of your story. And in in that happening, it kind of created a path for you. So if I rewind back to 2009, um, you know, take 10 years off of all those kid ages I just said. Mm-hmm. So we're, then we're looking at four, eight, and 12. And we had just moved into a four-bedroom house, and each kid had a room. And none of my kids 
would sleep in their own room. They all ended up sleeping in their oldest brother's room for various reasons. And we were just joking. We were like, oh, well, I guess we have room for more kids then. Um, although we had really decided, you know, that three was all the kids we were going to have uh, biologically anyway. At that time, though, both my husband and I had been listening to podcasts from Francis Chan at the church that he was pastoring at the time. And although we were listening to it just to hear his general messages, sometimes um, their associate pastor would preach and he would talk about foster care. And they just, um, I mean, I could just tell it was something their church really embraced as a whole, as an issue. Some of the things they said were just so challenging to us spiritually. Uh, We also were reading his book, Crazy Love at the time, which, you know, don't read that unless you're willing to have your life turned upside down. Absolutely. That one and (laughs) David Platt's book, Radical. Yep. That was a part of our story too. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I ended up at a conference and Francis Tian spoke at the conference and it was just the last straw, right? Of just the Holy Spirit just surrounding us with influences, um, leading us towards foster care. Uh, both of my husband and I really love babies and we, our kids were older, like I said, four, eight and 12. And we thought, man, we're awesome at babies. Sure. We could, we could take care you know, of kids for a short time. I wouldn't mind, you know, having a kid for three weeks or two months or four months and then saying goodbye. Like this will be great. So little did we know. You were comfortable with just a short stint, like where some people related to foster care will actually say, oh, I can't do that because I would get too attached. Right. Yeah. You guys were like, hey, we can do that. Yeah, totally. We thought we could do that. Plus, I would say Francis Chan's, the part of the messages really had a lot to say about those kinds of um, excuses Mm -hmm. of like, well, if you're worrying about um, your heart breaking, this isn't about your broken heart. This is about their broken heart. Yeah, like Um, get over yourself. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And so we had already sort of faced that. But it took us six months to go through the certification process. It was just a really... Um, long drawn out process for some reason. Um, so it was all the way to Christmas time of 2009 and we had finally finished our home study and had our home opened and a couple of weeks passed and I was getting calls, but of course I was getting calls for older kids, for sibling sets, all this sort of thing. And I had a friend that worked at the shelter that I knew there were babies in our shelter, but it just wasn't working out. And I said something, one of my sons said, why, uh, why don't we have a, why don't we have a baby already? I thought we were going to have a baby by Christmas. And I said, well, you know, they did just call me about one today, but she has a little, she's an older sister. And so, you know, we don't really have room for two children. And he said, wait, but Evie has a trundle bed under her bed. And just as soon as he said that out loud, my husband and I knew, oh man, we're in trouble. Gotcha. That's, that's the word of the Lord right now yeah. from this eight-year-old. So I called that caseworker back and we took a 13-month-old and a three-and-a-half-year-old that we ended up having for two and a half years. Oh, from, wow. So from intake thinking... all the way to adoption of a really complicated um, case with pretty severe abuse involved. And I mean, it was... Everything we thought we were prepared for, this case was just the opposite of that with it taking super long and um, the amount of engagement we ended up with with their mother was really unexpected for us. And I mean, it was just 
the opposite. Well, and it was one baby, it was two babies. So the things that you had kind of said, hey, here's what we're willing to do, God blew that wide open. Right. Well, and I had an elementary degree and three kids. And like these kids were throwing stuff at me that I was like, I have never (laughs) dealt with this before. Right. Okay. So where do you go from there? Like once you have these kids in your home and everything is totally different than you expected and you guys were ready for this call but the call looks different than what you expected. What's the next step look like? Well, for us, we just kind of got to a point where we were able to sort of tag team who was strong on that day or who was strong in that moment. And, you know, whenever we would get to a place of thinking, we just can't do this anymore, we would, I mean, by talking about it, we were like, well, the, the trauma that has caused these behaviors in these girls if we're just, if we call the caseworker and say, move them again, like we're just adding. Perpetuating the problem. Yeah. Right. We're just starting over and, and potentially making that even worse. And so we were able to just talk ourselves out of it all the way up until they ended up getting adopted by a family in our church. So like, I still am able to like text that mom and check on them or see their pictures on social media, things like that, which has just been the most glorious blessing. Um, And then, you know, after that, the very next placement we got was an infant that we picked up from the hospital. Again, you know, we had her for 13 months. She had some uh, medical issues that, again, it was like not exactly what I was picturing. But she was, you know, just super, just the most easy, happy, beautiful, sweetest baby ever. And then she was adopted by a couple that we know that are alternative caregivers. So again, we get to see her still. Um, And then we had one other, a couple of other kids. Um, Of course, we did respite here and there for other people. But um, it kind of came to a close in that season uh, when my dad passed away suddenly. And we found ourselves uh, really doing a lot of, just had a lot on our plate suddenly to help with my mom and all of the grieving and new situations that she was in. And so we decided to close our home for a season, but we actually weren't less passionate about foster care. We felt more passionate about foster care. And so I started to seek God of like, how can I continue to impact foster care and the issues that we've been exposed to and been made aware of that are going on in our community, you know, in our city? How can, how can I continue to influence and impact that and engage in that issue in a different way besides having a child under our roof. Okay, so, so let's pause there for a okay. second. Because I feel like there's a lot of people out there who, you know, they think if I'm not willing to do foster care, have children in my home and those kind of things, that that may not be an area where they could contribute. And that's actually really not the case. You know, it oh, might not gosh, be your no. call to have those children in your home, but there's lots of options yeah. um, where you can help other families. So that, that's neat to hear you say that, you know, because I feel like sometimes we pigeonhole what the the ministry might look like. Or, oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. I could go on for an hour just listing the names and stories of really amazing people who... Um, I mean, I was just brought to tears multiple times of things, um, just simple gestures about a guy that I worked with, um, you know, ask, Hey, what all do you have? I'm going to see like what baby stuff we have at home. 
And I said, well, I think we have most of it taken care of. I, I don't know. Do you have a, like a baby monitor is all that I don't have. And he's like, oh, we've got an old baby monitor. I'm sure I'll go find one. Well, what he actually ended up doing was going and buying one. And it was mm-hmm. a new one was on my desk the next day. And it's like, wow. so it could be simple gestures like that. But it also, you know, it would be like somebody's life group who was having a Christmas party for all of their families invited our two little girls to participate in their Christmas party that they had for their life group families so that me and our family could like go out and just be by ourselves for a while and get a little break time. Yeah. Right. But the girls thought they were doing something extra special. They didn't feel like they were getting left behind. Right. Um, So it was just a million things like that. Yeah. And people can't underestimate their investment, no matter how small, because like you, I had a foster child in my home and it was kind of a sudden situation and a family, like a friend of a friend, kind of not even someone in my own personal circle. Actually, it was a coworker's parent kind of heard about this unexpected foster care situation and they reached out through her and asked what daycare are you putting this child in. And then they actually contacted that daycare and paid for an entire month of daycare for me. Wow. And I remember not just feeling super appreciative of that family, but actually feeling just this humbling, like, okay, Lord, you're in this, you know, just this, this connection with God where I thought, how am I going to do this? And then he said, me, that's how, you know, and I'm going to use other people to come alongside you to make it work. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just the most random things. It was, I mean, I got a box of clothes from my brother-in-law's ex-wife in Louisiana. I mean, how random is that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. You're like, oh, wow. Thanks. Um, yeah. So that's amazing. So I, I kind of took you off track, obviously. Yeah. So for me, I was just like, I know that I'm called to engage this issue. How, and, and our experience over those few years, it was like maybe four years, like we had gotten an inside look to some really messed up processes, some broken bureaucracy, some overworked, you know, caseworkers, some inefficiencies in the system, um, like we started to really understand some of the the problems of getting churches engaged in the issue or other community partners. And I thought, I, I want to figure out how I can get engaged in that. So um, like I said, I'm on staff at Life Church, and in our state, we're a multi-site uh, church with 33 locations, but I think about 18 or 20 of those locations are in the state of Oklahoma. And so, like I knew... If I really started like trying to beat down the door of my pastor and the other leaders at my church and just like, you know, made this my soapbox that, um, you know, I, I felt like that was not the route that I was supposed to take. I felt like, um, to some degree, the system that I was engaged in needed some help before we threw a bunch of like recruiting new families because um, I was like, man, if we leveraged our influence as a church to just recruit a ton of new families in this broken system, in the condition that it's in now, uh, those people would all have a really bad experience (laughs) potentially and like quit and not want to ever do it again. Um, So I was like, there are some things that need to get fixed um, and that need 
you know, collaboration and better leadership and some of that sort of thing. Um, well, so, and I feel like every cause, you know, I mean, probably pastors get hit with a lot of causes. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? So you kind of almost have to choose your battles in that sense. And if you're going to come with it, come armed with really good information and really good resources. For sure. And I already knew, like, our our church is incredibly engaged in both local and global missions efforts. And, I mean, we're very engaged in our community in a lot of different ways. And I just couldn't see at that time, exactly how our church would engage. But again, I knew I needed to get involved in it. So I ended up being invited to join the board of a, um, a local ministry called the one, one, one project. Um, and it, it was founded to try to be like a, a, um, try to get the church engaged in the issue of foster care in our state. And so every church has a different fit of like how they're supposed to, you know, address this issue. Every single church does not need to do the exact same thing. You know, every church doesn't need to have, um, you know, a closed pantry or every church doesn't need to have, um, you know, Christmas parties for foster care. Every church doesn't need to have, um, you know, an agency recruiting families. But there were churches in our state that were doing all of those things really well. And we needed to find ways to to custom build uh, engagement routes for churches of all sizes, of all you know backgrounds, denominations, um, to really engage in this calling that the church has to care for the widows and orphans, the marginalized in our communities. And so uh, that was really fulfilling to be a part of that. Um, we did get to make really great strides in sort of mending some, um, you know, difficult seasons of like times the church had let, uh, you know, our government agencies down or times the government agencies has let the church down, you know, like we really got to, um, like build and restore some relationships that really well, were and, fundamental and needed to happen. Yeah. And that's the tough thing about faith. And one thing that I think that both Craig and Chris Hodges do really well is they basically talk about how the church is a hospital and it's filled with broken people. Yeah. And, you know, if we all try to wait until we've got everything together, then that's a problem. Yeah. And for sure. if we're sitting in the pew next to somebody who may have been out last night partying and they're there Sunday morning and we're sitting there judging, that's a problem. For because sure. all it takes is one time for the gospel to hit and their life could be different forever. You know, and yeah. so I feel like exactly what you're saying. It's like you have to be equipped, but you also can't wait until you're ready always to do things. Yeah. So that was when I really started like trying to like be an influence or um, be like a like leader in that area. But what was interesting is that then I started to realize um, the ripple effects of some unintentional kind of leadership and influence that I had been doing without really realizing it. So I realized that the whole time that we had foster kids, like we took them everywhere we went, right? Like they're part of our family. And so, and I'm an extrovert and I'm, you know, pretty chatty about that sort of thing. Like people would ask questions when you show up places with mismatched kids, people have questions about it. Sure. And so I would just start talking about, um, 
you know, our foster journey with all of these different friends that we had, some of them on staff, some of them just, you know, in our church circles. And what I started to see after we were even foster parents anymore, when we started, I didn't know, I didn't have a group of friends who were fostering. Like I didn't know anybody who like was in my friend circle that fostered. But by the time that I was in this other season of like being on the board and like trying to influence it that way, one by one, people started popping up around us of like, okay, yeah, we're going to be foster parents. Us too. And I was just shocked because I didn't realize that I just thought it was, and it is, it's like something the Holy Spirit is doing. But there was one in particular where we were like, wow, I'm so surprised that you're doing that. And they looked at us crazy like, it's because of you. Oh, wow. And I was like, what? They were like, yeah, like you're who talked us into doing it. And I was like, wait, talked you into doing it. I just was making it look normal. I was just trying to, you know, just be like a regular family, a regular working mom, you know, with regular kids, just wagging these other kids around with us wherever we went. And so I think it made it seem attainable to people. Yeah. Um, well, they saw it in motion, you know, I mean, they saw it in real time, real life. And, you know, I, I do, I feel like sometimes once one does it, or I don't know about you, but sometimes like adoption or foster care, it's like once you mention it, 12 people raise their hand and say, me too, you know, I've had an experience with it like this or whatever. So yeah. I feel kind of like it does have that ripple effect. Yeah. Yeah. So so those things too, both of those things started happening. So one, I was being a part of like networking with other church leaders, um, getting to know, you know, how other churches were, um, engaging in this issue well and how they were, um, you know, bringing it to leadership and making it work in their church, church culture as a part of one, one, one project. But then I also was just beginning to be more and more surrounded with just this surge of foster families and many of them were on our staff at Life Church. They were, you know, one of our directional leaders who helps lead the church with Craig. Um, one of them had a child in their home that they uh, adopted from foster care, and they had done some respite care for us at one point and helped us out. Um, so there are basically, yeah, just this handful of men that lead the church with Craig. Another one had a, a grandson that, you know, we were friends with his daughter and son-in-law, and they ended up adopting a kid from foster care. And then another one of those top leaders um, had, a, had a family in their life group who adopted some boys from foster care. I mean, it was just crazy just to see it spreading. Um, because, you know, if you have a personal experience with it, mm -hmm. when foster care changes from an issue to names and faces of children that you love, yeah. Like it just changes everything about um, your willingness to wade into the mess. Yeah, it gets personal. Yeah. So yeah. that's what was just happening over all that time. And then we got to a place in um, 20, the Christmas of 2015, where um, our pastor's wife was invited to go to an event at the governor's mansion. And she was then just exposed to some information, just some real facts and figures about the scope of um, where we stood as a state. And she just felt really convicted of, man, 
if our church would do something about this, we could change the landscape of foster care in our state. Because like I said, we have multiple campuses across our state, much like you guys do in Alabama. And it was like, wow, if we did something, it would be something big. Yeah. With great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. And so thank God, you know, God worked through her to bring that issue to her husband, you know, in a way that was way different coming from your wife than from, you know, just people that you work with. But, um, so he came to, to me and a, a couple of other people and said, Hey, we're going to plan a series, um, in May and the mother's day message is going to be about foster care and adoption. And so I want to build a series around that to where it's not just like a one-off message to where it kind of makes sense in the context of what we're talking about. So it was just like the most bizarre, um, crazy dream to walk through those six months from Christmas to Mother's Day. I guess it's only like five months, but for us to have not only um, him talking about it at our, like from a weekend message, like already, not only would that have been amazing, it would have made a huge difference, but because he made the plan to do it five months in advance, we were able to partner with one-on-one project. We were able to partner with, um, our department of human services, our child welfare staff. We were able to build a system with, um, that would actually help people not fall through the cracks that that when people raise their hand and said, I want to be a part of this, that we were able to build a system and have it activated to actually capture that momentum. And so like that was just, um, just incredible. Really really prepared Uh, the field. Yeah. And to make sure, like I said, at the beginning, if I would, if we would have recruited a bunch of people, I was worried that the experience they had would have a really bad effect on them and, and potentially have like kind of a backlash. Um, well, yeah. What's that marketing concept that like, if somebody has a good experience, they tell one or two people and if they have a bad one, they tell 10. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, and you don't want that for something that, that has such a, you know, sp- spiritual impact and a for world sure. impact. You definitely don't want people being damaged by, you know, that hurt people, hurt people kind of deal. Yeah. You don't want wounded situations making healthy situations wounded. You want healthy making healthy, you know, yeah. kind of thing. So and I, I totally think another see coming from. Yeah. I think another marketing concept that <laughs> it made me think of is like, um, it costs more the only thing harder than like marketing and gaining a new customer is trying to regain that customer after they've already had a bad experience with you. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, You know, like trying to re-recruit families. And so I was anyway, so there we were in Mother's Day 2016. And so I got to be a part um, from a couple of different angles from, you know, that was, uh, right as I was kind of finishing my term on the board with 111 Project. Um, one of my really greatest friends, um, Dr. Deb Shropshire, uh, you know, she was our, not only is she a, like a key volunteer at our church and been a member at our church for a long time, but she's like, was embedded in, um, the DHS as our, as like at that time, she was the community partnerships director. Now she's actually the state director over all of child welfare for the state of Oklahoma and like goes to our church. So I'm like, 
man, God just assembled all of these people to be um, in the right place, um, you know, at the right time. He's so good about that. You know, I mean, it's like the times that I've come to kind of an end of myself as far as different journeys or different dreams or whatever, or different calls, I feel like that's when I I kind of stop and look up and write myself and say, okay, Lord, what next? And yeah. then he provides a connection that provides a connection, you know, like he's always at work, but mm-hmm. he's not going to do it on our timing in our way. But when, man, when he starts moving, like back up. Yeah. One of the, uh, like a real amazing moment, like, right. As we were preparing for that, one of the projects I got to help with was we were going to prepare like a frequently asked questions, sort of a video for, to play at the events. So like if people heard the message on Mother's Day, and they thought, I would like to figure out how I would like to get engaged in foster care, either, mm-hmm. you know, become a foster family or just learn more, whatever, that we set up these events at all of our different campuses. And so I got to help make the video that we played at all of those by, you know, reaching out to different foster families that already were in our church or in our state, and that kind of represented a bunch of different demographics, and um, interview them to get them to answer these frequently asked questions. And I was sitting there on the video shoot with this one couple who I had just met. Um, They had been fostering for quite a while at one of our campuses. And um, while we were just sitting there chatting in between takes, she said, you know, I had been praying for a long time that, um, that our church would do something like this. And she said, you know, I thought probably the best way to get got, you know, to get our church to do something was that if, um, pastor Craig's wife, Amy, you know, cause I know she has such wow. a heart for children and families. Mm-hmm. I just have been praying for her to, uh, make this happen. And I just looked at her with my jaw, you know, my mouth on, on the floor of like, that this is, that is the answer to your prayer. Like that is how this happened. Right. That is how this happened. You know, God is just so faithful sometimes um, for those things that we pray for long term to show mm-hmm. us. I, I heard that. I'm, I was answering that prayer, um, you know, all along. Yeah. Well, and I find it interesting that you happen to be the content director at your church. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? So like even your day to day became your ministry, essentially. Like you got to use the gifts that God had equipped you with on a day to day basis to do a phenomenal thing for his kingdom. And it all started with just a yes. Yeah. You know, and built right. from there. Yeah. I was just, yeah, it was just about, um, you know, our family having an extra baby in the house. Yeah. Is what it started as, but you know, there's um, it's kind of abstract, but there's a prophecy in Ezekiel where it talks about like it's like an angel or something that's taking this, you know, Ezekiel on this vision, seeing it, and he's like, I walked for a certain amount of steps, and I was into my ankles, and then I went further, and then I was up to my knees. And then I went further and then the river was up to my waist and then I went further and it was up to my neck. And I just think like, that's what happens on your foster, a foster care journey is like, you have to wade into it. And for some people, like in that vision, it's like yards, you know, 50 yards or something before Mm -hmm. you're from your ankles to your knees. And I think we just have to allow God to be unique with each person's journey 
I hope you're enjoying today's episode so far. I feel like what Kendra just said is a super powerful and accurate statement about foster care. If you're not subscribed to the Custom Made Kid podcast yet, I'd love it if you'd take a second to do so. That'll make sure you don't miss out on future episodes. Also, while you're there, if you'll leave a rating or review, that will help us get the word out and bring more visibility to the stories that we're sharing. Finally, if you or someone you know has a unique, powerful, or but God adoption, foster care, or even infertility story, I'd love to hear from you. You can connect by emailing me at connect at custommadekid.com. Now let's get back to our episode. Like we were talking about earlier, um, uh, oh, it's going to break my heart if I have to give him back. And like, once you've done it, you're like, yeah, that's not, it's not about your heart. But like, it took me a long time. It, that was my journey to come to that truth and to understand that. And you have yeah. to be patient with people who are just in at their ankles, um, you know, well, who maybe haven't embraced in, that yet. Yeah. And you didn't go into your neck right away. No like, way. That, that would have been damaging. I, I kind of find myself in this place where God has done such phenomenal things through the adoption of my daughter and then foster care. And, you know, and I was a mom who struggled with infertility for 15 years and now have two back-to-back bio babies mm-hmm. and can see God's, you know, hand and even that. And I've gotten to the point where, like, I want to say yes, just to see what he'll do next. You know, I mean, it's crazy. And that kind of goes back to that comment I made earlier when you were talking about Francis Chan, crazy love, don't read it unless you want your life to be changed. And I mentioned David Platt radical. And the first time I actually read radical, I was a little bit like offended by it, you know, because I felt like he was saying that if you were a good Christian, you were going to be in a village in Africa somewhere on the mission field. And I thought, that's not true. Like, that's not fair kind of thing. Right. And when God kind of worked on my heart and I actually picked it back up later, what I realized was the Lord was saying, trust me with your blank check. Like, trust me with your yes. I'll do great things with it. You know, and he's not mean. I mean, he's not going to force me to be in a village in Africa if that's not what I'm equipped to do. He's not going to throw me out there to the wolves. Right. And so I think what you said is perfect. I mean, sometimes it's just that tiny little yes, like dipping your toe in it and saying, Lord, is this where I'm supposed to be? And he'll say, yeah, now put your foot in. When you can learn to trust him there, you, you keep going and... He equips you each and every time. Mm-hmm. Yep. And walks alongside you. you yeah. Know? Yeah. Cause it's not easy. I mean, yep. I'm not, I'm not in trying to indicate at all that if you do it and if you kind of take those brave trusting steps that you're not going to go really Lord, like what you spoke <laughs> about you and your husband, it sounds like y'all had alternating bad days. I quit. Right. No, I quit. No, stick with it. You know, kind of yeah. thing. Well, so let's get to where he actually does that Mother's Day series. Yeah. Talk about what happened from there. Okay. It was amazing. So, you know, I was just on cloud nine, but I had a couple of my friends who were a part of the journey. Like I said, my friend, Dr. Deb Shropshire, who now is, you know, God is placed as the head of Oklahoma DHS, but like she came and then a couple other people and we sat because we wanted to sit in church together and just sit and just watch God do it. And like, just sit there and soak it in of like, 
wow, like this, this is happening. Like this is happening. And it's been something, you know, that she had been praying for actually for mm-hmm. many years before I was even in the issue. Um, and uh, then each of our campuses, you know, when they were hosting those events, my husband and I were like, I got, I, I just want to see it. And so we went to, they weren't all on the same day of the week and stuff. We went to as many as we could drive to. And we would just go be a part of as many as we could attend because it was just incredible at every one of the campuses to see the different people that God brought to show up. And we don't do stuff like that. Like we don't have weekends where we say, come back to an event if you want to do more. Like I mean, I've been going to, this has been my home church for 18 years. And we just, I mean, I can't think of other, and another thing that we did like that. And so it really was so beyond, um, you know, exceedingly abundantly more than we could ask, think, or imagine. Um, it was just, it's just God showing up and showing out, you know? Yeah. So it was incredible. There were hundreds of families that were recruited and onboarded into foster care. And I have had the just joy to attend the adoptions even of several of my friends who, um, whenever, I'm sitting there at their adoption. One of them said, well, you know, we signed up during How to Neighbor because that was the name of the series, How to Neighbor. And I was like, oh, man, like like this is a few years later. And it's like it's still like the ripple effects of that weekend are still going, um, are still resonating through and changing kids' lives forever. Yeah. Well, I mean, to to say this in kind of a cheesy way, it's impossible for a rock to be thrown into a body of water and it remain unchanged. Right. And that's essentially what y'all did. I mean, like y'all really threw, threw it down kind of in that community. Yeah. It was, and it was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, so, I mean, even so fast forward even more. So here we are again, it was like, okay, well that was awesome. And it really did get a lot of people, um, engaged in it. And, you know, the more people, like we talked about, the more people who are engaged into it, the more people get to see it normalized, um, and like attainable for single people, for, you know, empty nesters, for people with little kids, for people who haven't had their own bio kids at all. Um, you know, we just had so many different people live it out that it just continued to build and grow and still, you know, um, I was sort of, uh, like hesitant, like everybody knew, oh, Kendra's super passionate about foster care. Um, you know, so I knew that people knew that about me, but I didn't want to like, again, like get up on a soapbox and try to be pushy about it or try Mm -hmm. to make something happen. Yeah. Um, Are you, are you by any chance an Enneagram 8? Do you know? Uh, no, I'm a three and we have a lot of similarities. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Cause I was like, when you said pushy about it and, you know, get up there and really, I thought, Hmm, cause I'm an eight. I thought, well, Uh that sounds familiar. Yeah. Threes and eights have a lot of that, um, that bossy pants, you know? Uh Yeah. I got to dial that back sometimes, but sometimes, you know, what is a weakness in some areas is a total blessing in others. So for sure. I love love how he used that with you. Yeah. Um, So then what has happened this year that we're right in the middle of, um, is 
So like I already told you, that friend of mine who's now head of child welfare, but then we also created a position on a different team, the team that leads our like local missions, global missions, small groups, all of that sort of thing, added a position for someone to lead our local um, missions that, you know, how our campuses reach out in their communities. And the way that we do it at Life Church is instead of us trying to do a bunch of programs and missions like in our own name is we try to look for who are the people in our communities that are already doing these things really well and how can we partner with them to send them volunteers to send them funding and to uh, you know just connect with them in our communities instead of just trying to be redundant in our communities or you know we can't be an expert in every, you know, we can't be good at everything. And there are mm-hmm. people out there who are really good at all these things. So yeah, we have somebody, well. right. So we, that had been our philosophy for a long time, but we recently hired somebody, um, you know, about six months ago in a position and the person that ultimately was, um, selected to be in that position, like is engaged in foster care. Like they have foster kids in their home. Um, his wife is employed, uh, you know, on a team recruiting foster families, like, I'm just like, God is again, it's like the Avengers, you know, we're like, God's just assembling all these superpowers, um, in all these positions. And then, um, you know, the movie instant family came out and our, our church does, um, every July we do this giant thing called at the movies and it's like all of our campuses decorate their lobbies to look like movie sets. Like it is the highest attended month of our whole calendar year, which is so unusual for a church for that to be in July. But people just, you know, are super excited about it. And our pastor designs messages with clips from movies. Well, um, several months ago, I got a text from our pastor. And then it was also to the guy, you know, who's in charge of that, like missions, life groups like missions. Um, and said, Hey, I'm going to do instant family for at the movies. Um, but I want to make sure that we have systems in place to make a big impact again. And so again, he just had the wisdom and foresight of like how much better it is if you're going to talk about it to make sure that you've thought through, how are we going to respond? What, Mm -hmm. what link are we going to send people Will there be people available to take their calls, you know, if they call this number? Um, What is their experience going to be like? How can we make sure that they're getting um, emails that are going to provide them like Bible plans and resources to help them spiritually in this journey? How can we connect them with each other? And so, again, you know, God just is created, um, just place the right people in the right positions at the right time just mm-hmm. to multiply that impact and just, you know, instead of a pebble in the thrown in the lake, this is like, you know, picking a up boulder. the biggest rock you can and <laughs> chucking it out there. Yeah. And so I am really excited just to see the effects of like this new big rock thrown in, um, this month. Uh, I, wow. you know, it's happening again and it's like, okay, well, what, what's going to happen out of it this time? I don't even know. But what's even more incredible is to start hearing people talk about foster care as almost like in the context of like, oh, that's just something that we do. Like, that's just something that our church is about. Like, that's something, um, you know, that we're known for or, you know, that's we have Mm -hmm. lots of local missions partners that we partner with in our communities that are, you know, group homes or 
boys' homes or, you know, neighborhood of communities, you know, where foster families live. Like, it's just becoming so much more just like a regular, normal thing. It's just being normalized into, you know, our culture and our community. Yeah. It just, this kind of makes me think last week, our pastor did a sermon and he was talking about, you know, he was talking to his other kids and he was basically saying, if you don't love my other kids, then you're not loving me well. Right. And he said, let me put that in these terms to you as far as the Lord goes. Like, if you don't love who I love, you're not loving me. Oh, for sure. And that was like one of those kind of raise the hair on your arms type statements for yeah. me. You know, I mean, it's easy to say I love God, but if loving God means loving people who aren't easy, you know, or making your life uncomfortable or those kind of things, that's not something that that we like go, yeah, let's do this. You right. Know? I mean, it's not easy well, to get there. And you know this, but like once you've jumped into this, you start to see, like I see the whole Bible through a different lens. I do too. Like when I look at first John, it's like, you know, what you were just talking about, all of first John is saying, Hey, if you say you love God, but you don't love your brother, then you're a liar and his love's not in you. Or you look at, you know, of Jesus saying, wait, no, a new command I have for you that the way you're going to love God is by loving others. Like, I don't want you to come, you know, and worship and try to honor me. I want you to do that. Like, that was me sick and in prison. That was me who needed food. That was me who needed a home, who needed clothes. Do When you do that to them, you're doing it to me. And so like this is, and that was just, you know, I think I would say like I grew up in the church. I was in Bible studies. I memorized scripture. I went to camps. You know, if I were to list all of the things that I've done in my whole entire life to grow spiritually, like reading a book or doing a Bible plan or reading the Bible through in a whole year or going to some retreat. If I were to list every single activity I could think of that I was doing to try to grow closer to God, that all of them were completely eclipsed by the impact that fostering had on me spiritually. Like fostering grew me more spiritually than all of those other things ever could have because I was pushed so completely past my ability to love that the only love I could access to try to give to these girls when I was just completely spent was to access His love, you know, was to access the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, like, it just made me so completely dependent on Him um, that, man, it was... It was transformative for me, and it's awesome to hear my own kids say how much it impacted them. Yeah, yeah. But if you could kind of dial all this back into one takeaway, you mm-hmm. know, one statement that if someone's listening to this, that you would say, if I had 60 seconds with you, what, what would you say to them? Um, so when I went back, one of the things that we heard on those original podcasts that was uh that got us into all of this was they were talking about how um, the way that their church became engaged like to where foster care is just a thing they did was not because somebody went and tried to talk the pastor into it. It was because of prayer. And they told the story of this man who prayed for years for God to 
turn their church's heart towards, um, you know, the children in their community who needed safe homes. And so, and then again, that part of the story where that woman had said, I had prayed that, you know, God would put on Amy's heart to lead our church to do this. I would just say, absolutely don't get out in front of what God is going to do, because you're going to underestimate what He can do in the long term, because it's going to be so much more than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. But usually what we do is overestimate what He's going to do in the short term, and then we dramatically underestimate what God's going to do in the long term. And so I would just say, just just do what's in front of you. Just pray. Just you know, make it look normal. Just have the conversations with people, you know, at a barbecue, like just, just be that, that pebble, you know, dropping into the pond a little bit by little bit and let God do with it what he's going to do with it. You know, don't despise small beginnings, the Bible says, you know, and, and just let God do what he's going to do you know, you do what you can do, but you let him do what only he can do. And he's going to blow your socks off. I love that. Well, if somebody has listened to your story today and wants to know more, I think obviously I'll share the uh, info on 111 Project and Mm -hmm. that How to Neighbor series. I'll put those in the show notes. But if they want to connect with you, how do they do that? I'm on Instagram as Kendra G. Um, My last name's Golden, so just Kendra G. And, um, I would say for sure, like that how to neighbor content. So like all of the message notes, all of the videos, all the graphics, everything that we did um, to support that series is available for churches to use for free on our open.life.church um, website. Uh, and so any church can do it. And so it has been my most amazing joy. Also, I follow the hashtag how to neighbor on Instagram and I still see churches using that content, making it their own, changing things about it to suit them and their culture. Um, but still going back to that content, you know, which comes from that Good Samaritan story of, you know, the man asked, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus wouldn't answer that question. Instead, he told a story about how to neighbor. And yeah. so um, it's just awesome to see how useful it's been. And um, yeah, so all those resources are available for churches to use for free. And then there's also a Bible plan in the YouVersion Bible app. So my husband works on the Bible app team. Um, And there are so many foster care and adoption resources and Bible plans there that, you know, just can support people spiritually. Okay. We'll we'll give people a lot of things to, like, dig into. Um, Yeah. So I'll make sure to put all that in the show notes so they have that. And I have loved um, talking to you about this. Thank you for your time. Yeah. Thanks so much, Amy, for having me on. It's been a blast.